And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I see you throwing that glitter. <laughs> I see you throwing that glitter. Cut it out and throw some bread. Stop throwing that glitter and throw some bread out. A little bread. Empty your pockets. Empty your pockets. Ew. Let's get together, have a kiki over some bread. Let's have a kiki over some bread. I see a lot of jock straps. But I, you know what I don't see is bread. You know what they say, if there's no bread, if there's no bread, honey, it's not pride. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Friday, June 25th, and this is The Drop. I'm J.E. Skeets, rolling with the homie Tass Mellis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tass? Got my Top Shot Hot Boy. He's got his F1 cap on for the big race this weekend. Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery. Taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Finally, a man making the magic happen. It's JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live on a Friday. Smash that like button. Drop your comments below this video to help us defeat the algorithm. And uh, make sure you subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Keep sending in your questions and comments for the next Beach Step and Podcast. Email them in no dunks at theathletic.com. And finally, go grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. Immaculate items. Always available. Okay, fun drop. We're going to take a spin on the old coaching carousel. Got a lot of new hires. Some still open. What's the most attractive job uh, position there? We'll get into that a little bit later. We got rapid fire fun and tweet of the night, but we start this Friday with a little playoff P blowing kisses to the crowd. Uh, leads the Clippers over CP3, CP3, who is back in the Suns, 106 92 in game three tasks uh obviously a must win here for the clippers to to make this a series sun's up 2-1 what do you think well let's start with a little playoff t ty Lu, clippers head coach <laughs> he's a master and, and and it just shows that the clippers are not going to roll over and die ty Lu, his third different starting lineup in three games i think is really really impressive this guy can flat out coach remember he was a Cavs assistant and people wondered can this guy coach he's the highest paid assistant in the league is he just going to be a a a, a a guy that LeBron James can just boss around. Ty Lue is bringing this team back. He starts Terrence Mann, second-round pick here in Game 3 to go on to Chris Paul, and uh, he did a very, very good job bringing a second-round pick in just his second year to play Chris Paul with all that energy helped out, plus his game plan of just allowing Chris Paul to shoot mid-rangers really worked. Uh, Chris Paul missed 14 of his 19 shots. He hadn't played a game in 11 days. So I guess we could expect a little bit of rust there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's 
clear that chemistry is an issue with every guy that goes out. When you're deep, this deep in the playoffs, the rosters are just firing at all cylinders. You saw what happened with James Harden when he came back with Kevin Durant uh, and the Nets. They were just throwing the ball away. Uh, and, and, and even this masterful team here, I know Harden was injured, but this masterful team showed that the chemistry wasn't really there. Devin Booker um, it also didn't have a good game. And, and Ty Lue brought in Patrick Beverly in game two. That was masterful to guard Devin Booker. And I'm a little worried about Devin Booker, considering that Patrick Beverly's getting under his skin a little bit, and mm-hmm. Booker had a, a 5-for-21 game. Maybe you can blame it on the mask. He's got to toss that mask for Game 3. There's no doubt. <laughs> for four. Just, uh, Game 4, excuse me. Yeah, just get rid of that thing. He was 5-of-21. So, uh, considering Chris Paul, yeah, 5-of-19, Booker 5-of-21 after those Ty Lue moves, uh, considering that they're still in the game, uh, you know, into the third quarter, Plus, campaign only played four minutes, their third guard. That's still a good sign for the Suns that they were in this thing. Uh, but Ty Lue, I think, is masterful, man. Uh, I, I think he is. He should be considered a good coach, not just because the X's and O's, but apparently when they got back to L.A. after game two when they lost, he called every guy and said, this is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. But he is starting three second-round picks in, in Terrence Mann, Ivica Zubats and Patrick Beverly. He's also starting Reggie Jackson, a guy who was released by his last team. Uh, he had 23 points in this one, and he's starting Paul George as well. I mean, I think Ty Lue is, is doing great, and maybe he's so so masterful with this chemistry. Maybe he told Kawhi Leonard to go sit up in the suites uh, and not come and sit on the bench with his teammates because he knows that chemistry is an issue. Kawhi Leonard, uh, at home game, sitting up in the suite, not on the bench. Maybe he knows... When you come back, then you can come back and sit on the team. I don't know. Ty Lue just knows what the heck he's doing. And uh, Kawhi Leonard, maybe he didn't want to be injured by DeMarcus Cousins jumping on him or something when he's sitting on the bench. But, uh, man, great, great performance from uh, the clip to to hold off. Yeah, what looked like a, a bit of a, a rusty CP and Devin Booker being thrown off by Patrick Beverly. But the right buttons have been pushed. We've got a freaking series here. And I know we're, we always want to dismiss one team uh, after a couple games, but the Clips aren't going anywhere, obviously. And uh, they easily could have won game two. They easily could have won game one. And right. uh, this is this is obviously going to be fun, but it's up to the Suns to bounce back now because uh, the Clips the Clips won this thing. The Clips, you know, again, uh, I, I love Ty Lue making changes because he knows his team can play better and he got his team to play great. The only thing I want to push back on that is, like, what is he doing with Terrence Mann? Because it's pretty obvious when Terrence, Mann's pl- Terrence Mann plays, good things happen for them. And he was critical in that Game 7 win against the Mavericks. And then he was nowhere to be found for a couple games for the Jazz. But then he gets unleashed, and he's incredible. He's like a plus 51 over, like, three games. Then he has the Game 6 that basically saves the series for them popping off for 39. But then he's sort of out of the lineup again by Game 2 versus Phoenix. And now, of course, he's back, and he's unbelievable in Game 3. It's just like a... I, 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 like, you're right. Hell of a move, putting him in there. And maybe it was only he was in there because of the injury to Morris. I don't know. But man has to play. This is what we're learning here. Every time he does, the Clippers just have more energy because he's youthful. He gets at it defensively, like you said, Tass. Um, so that's the only thing I'd push back on. Like, what's he doing? What's Lou doing with man? But you would hope he'd be sort of getting significant minutes here for the rest of this series, regardless whether or not he's starting or coming off the bench. If, it, if he goes back to Morris, because he does keep switching it up. That's the only thing I'm like, what? What? Just play him. He's good, but awesome game defensively from him and Beverly. Uh, TK, what were your big takeaways from this one? 
Oh, the big man. He barely got any shine from Tass Melis there, but I thought Zubach moving into the starting lineup was huge as well. Zubach, just to me, didn't let Aiton get loose quite as much as he had in games one and two. Still had a huge first quarter. I think uh, Aiton scored 10 in the first quarter, but from there on out, I think only seven points uh, for DeAndre Ayton, and his shots were just not coming as easily. You know, uh, the Clippers had a presence in the middle, and I thought Zubach was big, uh, taking away the mid-range jumpers from... Uh, Chris Paul from Devin Booker, and I thought he did a good job controlling the glass. He had uh, 15 rebounds, as did Paul George. You love to see that kind of chip in there from a superstar hitting the glass. And I also thought another big adjustment was uh, Devin Booker looking completely bothered with Patrick Beverly all up mm -hmm. in his grill, which understandable. You know, Chris Paul's coming back. He's a little bit rusty, so he looked a little bit rusty. Devin Booker having to deal with a face injury. Looking like Silence of the Lambs out there. Did not look cool in the mask. Kobe Bryant mm. looked very cool in the mask. Kyrie, very cool in the mask. Devin Booker, I wonder if it's throwing him off. The guy's middle name is Armani. He's used to looking cool. But this guy's going out there looking like ham slapped all over his face. No, thank you. And the Clippers were all up in Booker and Chris Paul's shirts. They went 10 of 40 on the game. The Suns aren't going to win if their best two players shoot yeah. 10 for 40. Furthermore... Their other CP went out in this game campaign, uh, and he had been great in games one and two. I thought the Suns were really missing the change of pace he brings, the speed that he plays with, and, you know, it just took away some easy points for the Suns in this one. So, to me, the big adjustment for the Clippers was playing a few more defensive guys and telling them to get all up in the shirts of the Phoenix Suns guards because coming in, you had to know that you could maybe throw them off their game with Booker adjusting to this facial injury, Chris Ball coming back from being off for 11 days. If you're able to take the fight to the Suns, which the Clippers did, it was a huge advantage uh, for L.A. Clippers took control of this one, Lee, in that third quarter. I think it was like a 21-3 run uh, that had him up big. And then, of course, Paul George banks home the three-pointer just inside midcourt at the end of the quarter and uh, puts him up 11 <laughs> heading in the fourth, and he is blowing the kisses. I go, my God, like most people on Twitter, I was like, no, Paul, no, not like this. Like, it, like I get it. You're, you're seeing your, your family up there. You're blowing kisses, but it's like, oh, my God, the Internet's going to be all over if you, if you somehow blow this game. Luckily for him and the Clips, they didn't. You know, you could see the premature pee and all this coming at him. But anyway, he was, he was pretty I mean, nice. check Paul George's fourth quarter stats, too. Yeah, 0 for yeah, 4, 4 yeah. turnovers, I know, but man. the W. You gotta I know. love the W. I, I really seriously was like, yeah. oh, don't do that. No, just don't. You're, you're never going to hear the end of it. But anyway, what did you see in that third quarter in this game, Lee, uh, where, where the Clippers did take control? You know, the, the Suns were due for a stinker at some point. They had won nine in a row, and I think last yeah. night that basically was kind of what happened. Their offense, which had been flowing pretty well, guys like Chris Paul got to his spots and just a couple of those rimmed out. He hit a three there. Uh, but then Jay Crowder, who started off the game on fire, he kind of went cold as well. So they just kind of hit a bit of a, a, a their first real bump in the road along the way here where their offense just stalled. And the Clippers did take advantage. Not take advantage as fully as they could have. It was uh, Lou Kennard, the guy who's got two Ks, but you only ever say one of them. You either call him Luke Ennard or Lou Kennard. That's what people say. So, uh, but he, <laughs> I call he, him our dog, but, yeah. <laughs> but he was good. You know, he had another couple of threes and uh, he sort of knows it's like, they need my offense out here because if he gets in the corner, he's open, he can shoot and they do need that extra help because I think uh, Paul George, as great as he has been carrying this team, especially since uh, Kawhi Leonard went down, he's starting to show signs. And I think perhaps you saw that in maybe those missed free throws of just those legs getting a little bit heavy in that second half because uh, he's got to do so much for them. You know, 
know, he's, he's oftentimes their point guard and he's going into the paint. He's doing all the offensive, uh, carrying the offense as much as he can. And then on the defensive end, he has to work a lot too. So, um, you know, that combined with Ter- Terrence Mann's energy and Zubats, as Trey said there, I thought he was just fantastic at both ends. Mm-hmm. The Clippers just kind of got an advantage last night and held on to it. The, the Suns went on a big run late as well, about a 10-0 run, or might have been 12, in fact. And you thought, man, if the Clippers blow this one, there's no chance they get back in the series. But here we are, down 2-1. And, and yeah, I mean, there's an argument there that the Clippers could be up 2-1, you know, if they do make a couple of free throws or don't uh, have that, that crazy sort of alley-oop finish there to DeAndre Ayton. So I don't think... I think the Clippers are in a, a decent spot right mm-hmm. now. But um, will they see another 10-for-40 performance from the Suns' backcourt? I don't think so. I think that was just one of those ones where Devin Booker, you know, he was fiddling with that mask. He didn't make any excuses. Full credit to him. But, you know, to, to have to put on something on your face like that. And he said, I think his nose was broken in three places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had to break it again to fix it, which is always a weird sort of thing to hear. It's like, it's broken. We're going to re-break it so we can fix it. But, you know, that, I, you know, whether or not he wears that in game four is going to be huge because I think he needs it for the protection. But I think it also did affect his game. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, like, he can't afford to have another, uh, uh, you know, deal with another blow across the nose because it could maybe knock him out for a game or two here. So a bit of a tough situation for him. But uh, overall, you know, was this wasn't a great game. This isn't one you're going to sort of talk about forever. But the Clippers got the job done. Mm-hmm. And they, they had to hold firm because, as you guys mentioned, that Paul George himself wasn't great in that fourth quarter. But he just got enough support from a few of those other guys for the uh, for the Clippers to get the win and, and keep themselves alive because down 3-0, there's no chance. Where they are right now, there's still a chance. Of Obviously, course. game four is huge. Yeah, we got to talk about Reggie Jackson here too. This guy, I mean, I don't know if you want to go so far to call him Mr. June, but he is on a tear. <laughs> he, he once again hit like big shots, like those stop the bleeding type of shots there. Like you said, Lee, where the Suns were making their run in the fourth and he always sort of had an answer. He scored 10 of his 23 in the last period. And since Kawhi got injured there in Game 4 of the West Semis versus Utah, Reggie has averaged, since then, 23 points per game, shooting 54 from the floor, 38 from deep, and he's been their second best player, easily, since Kawhi Leonard went down. Um, he's a guy that makes, like, what, $2 million a year, Tass, and, you know, we, 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 have, we have made fun of Reggie Jackson in years prior, and, like, what are you doing? You're not a star, man, but he's shut up a lot of, of the doubters and the haters and has been instrumental in the Clippers' run here, not only beating the Jazz, but then, you know, being in this series now because I thought he was awesome again. Let's take this Reggie Jackson love to a whole crazy other level here. Okay. Reggie Jackson is averaging 18 points per game in the playoffs, 51 from the floor, 42 from three, and 88% from the floor. There are only two players in NBA oh, history boy. to average three plus three-pointers on 65% true shooting. So if right. you want to get into yeah, whatever, in a single playoff run, it's Steph and him. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's just... Firing away and it's going down. Is this the the Ty Lue confidence push? I think I think there's something going on there where Reggie Jackson is of the the freest mind. Like look when he shoots. When he shoots, he's just he he doesn't need like ball movement. He doesn't really need anything. He's just firing it up. He just feels so good. He's a big guard. Uh, he can get a shot off. You know, in most situations, and uh, it's just it's swishing. It's not like it's rattling in. Uh, he is, yeah, this is definitely the best stretch of his career. Yeah, he's playing for a contract here because he was released by the Pistons and then picked up by the Clippers last year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, some, somehow, I mean, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's got to be uh, something to do with Ty Lue, something to do with this team that they throw him in the starting role. It's not just when 
um, Kawhi has gone down. I mean, he's been so good uh, throughout this postseason. They've, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on here. They've tapped into something perfect. What kind of contract does Reggie Jackson? Get? I know. Uh, it's, it's, you have uh, to start thinking about what is he? Thirty-one. I mean, he's not young, but he's like, yeah, he's not. It's not over the hill. He's just sort of maybe his best years ahead ahead of him. But what type of deal is Reggie Jackson looking at? Is a uh, and who's giving it to him? And are you convinced he's like this? Like, is he's a starting caliber point guard? Trey? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm still hesitant. I almost still don't believe what I'm seeing. But he keeps hitting big shot after big shot. I mean, I also was surprised. He's played in a ton of playoff games. He's played in like 65 playoff games in his career. Over that. And I was like, whoa, Jesus. But he's been around a lot longer than I thought. And he's been on decent teams. And he's got chances. And he's actually delivered before in playoff series. But... I don't know. Are you paying a bunch of money to Reggie Jackson? Is he a starting point guard in this league to you, TK? No, thanks. Uh, no, I think, think so. he's in the perfect place for for him right now. He's still, um, you know, uh, in Detroit, you would call him a ball hog. But in L.A., you're calling him ball dominant. It's good when the shots right. are going in. Maybe he had a kid. Maybe he's Fred Van Vliet of this playoffs where he just catches fire. Can't miss for two months. It's perfect if you're the Clippers because with Kawhi Leonard going out, you know, Reggie has been elevated from bench scorer, maybe third option to second scorer, and they need him to be taking all the kinds of crazy shots he does and, uh, you know, going, trying to score from the outside. If the shots are going to drop, keep shooting them until they finally start missing, and maybe by the time they start missing, Kawhi Leonard is back. Right. But there are so many good guards in this league. It feels like every guard in the league could average 20 a game if they get to shoot as often as they want to, and I kind of think that's what's happening with Reggie Jackson. But he's killing it in the playoffs yeah. so far. It feels like his shooting should fall off at some point, but I don't know. Maybe he'll just shoot 45% for the entirety of the playoffs. Some of these threes he hits, Lee, to the arc on them is hilariously yeah. high. Like, it's Jokic-like high. <laughs> it's, they're not line drives. He puts so much arc on. He gives it a yeah. chance, I guess. And he's often gotten, a, like, an extra second or two to sit, set his feet there, too, and really almost do the little tray wiggle from yesterday where, uh, you know, he sort of waits and the, they don't close out and he takes that shot. And he needs to take those shots. He needs to be out the floor to be a shot maker. Uh, and he is doing it. He's taking full advantage of this opportunity. So, yeah, I, I, I also don't think he's a starting point guard. I mean, I think as coming off the bench, he, he would be fantastic. Or alongside a team that doesn't necessarily need a dominant point guard. I mean, you know, in, in Los Angeles, it is a good situation there for him. So, you know, I mean, everyone gets paid. And if you play well in the playoffs, I mean, I can see him mm-hmm. getting, you know, two years and $30 million, you know. I mean, someone saying, yep, look, he's young enough and he proved he can uh, step up in big games. As long as he isn't expecting a team to think, you know, we need you as our starting caliber point guard because right. I just don't th- – or, you know, in, in a in a dominant sort of point guard uh, player role, he's always going to be a third or fourth guy on a roster. But if he can embrace that role, then I think uh, there's a real chance he can be successful on any team. Going back to the Suns guards, like they're, they're all-stars struggling, both of them, in Booker and Chris Paul. You know, Beverly on Booker was great in game two. Let's not forget two. And, and then, of course, collision and all that happens. But great in game three, even better. And, and maybe a part of it's the mask and trying to adapt to that. But what did you think of Chris Paul's shots, Lee, that he was getting last night? Because I thought early on, I thought a lot of them were like, these are Chris Paul's shots. They just yeah. they just were not dropping. And for whatever the reason, a weird game because he's been out. I didn't think it was because of the defense that much, at least early on in the game. Um, would that be a concern from the Clippers? Like, oh, okay, well, he's still getting what he 
whatever he wants. They just didn't fall in game three. Yeah, I think that's absolutely what it was, particularly in that second half. A couple of them, he had that mid-ranger where it just sort of rolled out. It's like, wow, he never misses yeah, those. Yeah. Um, you know, he hit. I think he hit two threes, two in the second half there. So it's just a matter of perhaps just a tiny bit of rust there for Paul, uh, Chris Paul. But uh, I have no doubt that uh, you know he'll be back maybe in, even on the, you know, the next game. I think it's uh, Sunday, I think it is. Uh, where yeah, you can't. You're not going to all of a sudden start living with Chris Paul mid ranges. It's like you got lucky in Game Three. Probably won't happen again for these playoffs if uh, if he's back healthy again. But yeah, I think Patrick Beverly actually did. I mean, Patrick Beverly's a he's he's such a tough guy to cheer for because he brings a lot to the table, but he also just makes so many dumb things and he and he and he sort of gives back a lot of what he does. On the, in the positive side, you know, like he got that tech foul last night again, which like Devin Booker, how he gets a tech foul out of that is just ridiculous. I mean, it was all Patrick Beverly, but he had that swipe down where he got clean, like di- uh, dislodging of the ball there. And he was just in Beverly, uh, God, he was in Booker's face a lot of the time and it just made his life difficult for him. And he hit a couple of shots for the team. So when Patrick Beverly's playing like that, you can understand why Ty Lue's like, we've got to have you on the yeah. court because he's contributing at both ends. But just get rid of that dumb stuff that he did in game uh, two as well like I think it was on campaign he just like was running down he just clattered into him and just gave up a silly foul he still has those tendencies where he just does dumb plays it's not like well you can understand why he took a foul in that situation it's just the silly ones that could end up costing his team you know you can get a technical foul out of it and just just could have um, changed the momentum of a game but it's like you sort of look at him and think Okay, yeah, he's doing well tonight. And then it's like, oh my God, he's just, what, what did he do that for? You know, he just didn't need to do it. So he, he just doesn't seem to know the, the line between being good for, a, for his team and actually hurting his team at the same time. Yeah, but you're going to live with that shit if he can keep the star player to 25% shooting because he's sure. all over him. And he was limiting touches to Booker. I mean, he played his ass off defensively. But can like, that's you it. rely on him to do that again in well, the series? Yeah. I mean, I also trust Booker is a good enough offense player that he figures some things out where some angles might be and stuff like that. But he's Ty Lue has to go with them, right, Tass? Like, I mean, essentially just energy alone, him and man and Zubots... They, they are bringing that fire that, you know, Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce, Paul Pier- now you got me saying different names, Lee, this is all your fault. I was going to say Paul Pierce, Jesus, Paul George, you know, he's just a, he'll never, he's just a calm, cool and collected guy. He's not a fiery raw raw guy, really. So it's nice to have those guys, Bev and Man and, and Zubots, even as a big there, playing with some, some gusto there from the jump, uh, especially when you're down 2-0 and you really need it. So I think Beverly's... Like he's not going to overthink this one. I don't know what he'll do with man because he always is switching it up. But Bev is Bev's goal here is to like, yeah, annoy the shit out of Booker and slow him down if you can. Booker had yeah forty points in game one. Insert Patrick Beverly in game two, and he he did a really really good job in yeah. game two. And of course he he comes back with them in game three. Uh, yeah, he inserted Ivica Zubats in game two. Comes back with them in, in game three. Uh, he continues to play well. Uh, yeah, the yeah the Terrence Mann thing is interesting. And game three was his first start. The, the game plan again was let Chris Paul shoot mid ranger after mid ranger because uh, he's probably a little bit rusty. Uh, but uh, the the yeah the putting putting a Terrence Mann and Patrick Beverly on their two best players on the perimeter sort of makes sense. Uh, and so just line up. You know, one of our strengths with one of your strengths. Uh, Batum, you're out of here. You're a little too slow. Marcus Morris, you're out of here. You're a little too slow. Zubats play better against DeAndre Ayton. Uh, yeah, I think that's what happens. I think Devin Booker's got to do a little bit more of the uh, taking the ball 
way up top and just creating from there instead of getting into the teeth of the Clippers defense, running around screens. Just come way out and and let um, DeAndre Ayton set a pick, you know, almost at midcourt to to get some space, you know, on the logo to get some space going downhill. Guys will go under on that because he's not – uh, Trey Young, he's not uh, Stafford, Damian Lillard. He's not got a fire from there, but you get the speed going. So you get Beverly uh, where you want him. He's uh, Booker's a quicker player. So I think Bonnie Williams makes that change a little bit. They were doing that in game one. That helped him get to 40 points. Uh, so I think that happens. And uh, yeah, ho- and just hope campaign comes back. I mean, yeah, four minutes uh, after playing, uh, after scoring 29 points in, in game number two mm-hmm. was huge. And uh, that, that's got to be a big factor. And Chris Paul shaking off the rust for Saturday night. Game two, uh, game four is Saturday night, Saturday night Lee. I don't oh, want Saturday. you to miss it. Mm. We're going every second game, every second night, each series. Yeah. Mm. So Lock in know, here, Ellis. We know what okay. the schedule oh, is. Yeah, because Sunday, Sunday uh, down at the Fortress, 8.30. I've been that's trying to get right. tickets. But, oh. uh, You're still too trying. Expensive. Right? Wow, I'm man. still trying. I'm still trying. I'm just hoping that maybe someone will slip up and there'll be a standing room for 114, but uh, not looking we'll good right now, guys. We'll press one good. instead of two because, yeah, they're, they're at least. Well, have they? Yeah. Are they starting to sell yet? The the SRO standing room only? Or? Well, uh, I, I don't really know, to be honest. It's a bit of a muddled system. Uh, the tickets are available. The cheapest I've found 250 plus. Wow. 250 plus. I'm not paying 250 to sit up in the nosebleeds. Yeah. I'm yeah, a standard. Yeah, 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 but yeah. even the standards, I can't see there'll be less than. Uh, the 200 for a game uh, yeah, This is the conference finals, man. I know. Hawks I know, up 1-0 currently? Yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, Suns, Clippers, game four. Yes, S- uh, Saturday night is is when that one goes down. I do want to know, uh, this question for all of you guys. I'll start with you, Trey. Are you a milk drinker? Um, <laughs> well, that's a tough question for me to answer. I'm not a, a physical milk drinker. Uh, <laughs> a mental milk, milk drinker. Okay, go on. But I'm also not a knife fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you got to be one or the other, that's right. I guess I'm more of a milk drinker than a knife fighter. Unfortunately, right. uh, you know, dating back to 2K1, 2K2, suck milk was a big insult at Benedictine University. So <laughs> maybe I'm a milk sucker. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, How do you answer that question? Are you a milk drinker? Oh, it was a weird part. I guess, I I don't know, I saw tweets going around. Van Gundy used to say this in his his Rockets coaching days. You know, we need knife fighters, not milk drinkers. A lot of people pointing out, can't you be both? Can't a knife fighter also drink some milk? Tess, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's like Mark Jackson... Loved it so much, he said that Jeff Van Gundy had been sitting on that for months. Yeah, like was... sit. I mean, <laughs> he couldn't think oh, that God, one up. He's been sitting on it for years if he was well, doing it back in his rocket stage. It was like. just part of the lingo, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Milk drinkers and did, milk drinkers, is that what he said? Yeah, like, are you, a, we don't want no milk drinkers. You know, well, we want knife fighters. I thought uh, I thought he was saying milk drinkers are the scores and knife fighters are the scrappy guys. Well, no, you need I milk don't. drinkers and you need knife fighters. I think so, milk drinkers is like a, softies a, and tough a guys. Criticism, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's a so- oh yeah. Oh. Hmm. Anyway, do you? Yeah, because that's milk, what he please? said about uh, he said about the Knicks, right? He's like, yeah. we needed more milk drinkers. We had all knife fighters. <laughs> <laughs> 
I drink oat milk these days. But, you don't drink uh, milk? You're off milk? Not, not uh, the dairy kind. You drink anymore, oat milk or something, yeah, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've moved up to the oat milk. Um, <laughs> hey, you can still uh, you can still steam it okay. It's still fine. Uh, the milk technology, oat milk technology has really come along in the last couple of years. Really? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference if you go for a latte these days. So uh, a <laughs> little bit healthier for you too, better for the planet. So it's all good things. Um, but, you know, shouldn't you bring a gun to a knife fight anyway if you want to be really dominant? I mean... <laughs> I bring milk. I bring yeah. a water gun with milk in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, yeah. I, the thing is, I was w- w- listening to the game last night. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. We got Van Gundy and uh, Mark Jackson on the finals call again. Can, uh, uh, Van Gundy hasn't been too bad lately. Mark Jackson's yeah. energy just is awful, as always. Um, Breen, and Mark, uh, Breen and Van Gundy should be there with Doris. I mean, we've got to get Doris on. Like, okay. it's just ridiculous. It's It, it makes it harder to watch when, when Mark Jackson just... Uh, Ah, he just, he just, his energy, the tone he uses, it's like... <laughs> Sounds like a real milk drinker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What's too bad? All right, too bad. real quick, when's the last time you had just a glass of milk? Three weeks ago. <laughs> you mark it down? It's rare, that's why I remember. Every nice, so nice. once in a while, I'll just be like, man, I could go for a glass of milk. It's like, and I'm Whole talking, milk? it's morning every, milk or uh, 2%, like an afternoon milk. It's a 2%. Oh, 2% yeah. Yeah. It's what I usually, I use like if for, for cereal. Sorry. What'd you ask, Trey? Is this like a morning milk or a, <laughs> a well, PM milk? I'm not doing what our friend Julie does who like goes 50, oh, 50 yeah. milk oh. and water. Oh. Basically fully <laughs> after a heavy night of drinking. Oh, I know. I remember you telling me about and that. And puts that it's down gross. or puts it on her bedside table. And oh. that's like her sort of uh, hangover cure. Watered down milk. Well, she's also a nurse. She knows what yeah, she's I doing. Yeah, it seems to work for her. So maybe we should be trying yeah. it. She's me. hydrating and coating in one glass. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess don't so. Know. Yeah, not for me. Not for no. me. No. I, I don't even love. I don't like seeing her make it. I've seen her make it. Yeah, which is uh, you know, <laughs> <Make> it. <laughs> it's pretty gross. I don't like how yeah. milk like milk. <gasps> Looks sort of weird as it is. Then you add a bunch of water to it. It dilutes it, of course. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, anyway, that's the last time I had a glass of milk. And you know, I, I recommend it. Still got it? I mean, yeah, it's still good. It's still refreshing. Oh, yeah. Everyone's that, like, wrong. you know, when, when we had our child, children, uh, you know, when they're first born, we have the whole milk in the house. Oh, my God. We, a latte with whole milk is great because it's just so fatty and tasty and delicious. But... Not great for you, but uh, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, man, sure. the whole fat. The, the, yeah, yeah you got to get the whole milk. I think it's just the most tastiest to drink. But yeah, I, I'm so reluctant to put any sort of real milk with my my flax milk, my pea milk that I usually drink. Like that's what I have in a bowl of cereal. Right. So healthy, but sometimes if I'm low, you know, maybe I'll top up with the you know real milk. I don't even want you're to do mixing that. milks. Wow. Well, if I'm if I'm desperate, if my wow. if my flax milk is out, am I going to top milk. it up with a cow? How many milks wow. are there at this point? Flax. Oh. oh. Yeah, Once they figured out you common. can make milk from peas. <laughs> yeah. All over. bets were off the table. Yeah. 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 You can over. make a mi- yeah. you can make milk from anything. Uh, we got a poll up on our YouTube page right now. <laughs> When's the last time you drank a full glass of milk? This week, this month, this year, or more than a year? We'll see okay. what the people have to say right now. Early voting. Forty-three percent for this year or more yeah. than a year. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 gone out of style to drink a glass of milk. <laughs> out of style. Really That's right. A lot of knife fighters in the yeah. stream team right now. 
Um, any other notes? <laughs> to get back to the game, uh, Clippers Suns, you could tell it was a little bit of a blowout in the end. Uh, any other notes from Game 3 or moving forward in this series, Tass, uh, that you wanted to address? Uh, well, do you think Chris Paul has milk in his secret stuff juice that he's drinking? <laughs> his special, what does he call it? His special secret stuff? Uh, that's the label on his bottle. Right. So Very I wonder, Space Jam. Does he does he just reuse the same plastic bottle, or does he relabel mm. each time? Because I mean, you're washing a bottle with a tape on it, you know? Right. Right. Or is he just no there? way? No. It's coming he's, off. He's coming nasty off. like the rest of us. No, he just leaves it on. It just keeps pouring it in there. No. Probably. Yeah. Uh, any other notes from this game, TK? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. We talked about the milk. I am hot, uh, happy for for the Clippers fans, though. All three of them: Paul Shear, Billy Crystal, and uh, Clipper Daryl. Uh, no, he, I, Paul Shear was at the game last night. He's got a funny video up on his Twitter account saying, "Like he doesn't want to hear Suns and Four anymore, Lee, because it's not happening in this one." Uh, so right. go check that out. But yeah. we do. Wait, hey, I said it on. Was that yesterday's show where I peeled back the curtain at the end? We want long series here. That's oh, what yeah. we want. We want both series. To be at least the same, go be short or be long together, but preferably long, of course, because we want to watch more basketball. So you know, it's shaping up both of these. I still think we'll see what happens in Game Two between the Hawks and Bucks tonight. But these these got the good feel of a mm. a six or seven game series. Mm. Is, is fair to yeah, say? Talk, talking about Clippers fans, wouldn't it be great if Clippers Bro was there? Wouldn't it be great? It'd be if amazing someone, with if a handle bro vodka. Was there. Absolutely, yeah, drink a poop off, man. Yeah, <laughs> 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 knowledge on him. <laughs> Maybe he is there. Uh, if someone knows Clipper Bro, wherever he is, get him. We've got to we've got to talk yes. to him, man. I'd love to know what he's up to these days. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll call it there when it comes to the game Saturday night, Game Four, and we'll be talking about it on Monday's show. Let's take our first break, but after the break, we'll get to a bunch of the uh, coaching news. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 
Back with No Dunks. Let's play a little true or false. Yeah, a little true or false. Is that the same music they use in uh, that show, like where they show you how to make things? You know what I'm talking about? How's that? What's that show called? How'd this get made? <laughs> Maybe is what it's Wait, called. Wait, that's Paul Shear's show, isn't it? No, oh, yeah. That's yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that's the podcast about movies. But there is a, sh- a show on television where they literally yeah. show you like how to make crayons, like yeah, yeah. how to make like the weirdest things that you never think about. And I think that's yeah. the music they use, JD. I, I actually don't know. I mean, that's our original true or false yeah. music that we used back in the starters days. How it's made, the people are saying in the stream. Team. Yeah, how it's made. Yeah. Well, let me have a. I'm gonna yeah. go look for that. I think it, huh. I think it's very similar. <laughs> Very similar right. music. Anyway, we're into true or false. Uh, JD putting that together. Thank you so much. Um, I got a bunch of true or false questions based off of all this coaching news and reports and stuff like that. So we'll get started here. Rick Carlisle, he is going to coach the Pacers. That uh, is basically official. Reported four-year, $29 million deal. He's going back to Indiana where he's coached before. So the true or false question, can Rick Carlisle coach the Pacers to a top four seed, let's call it? in the East next season. True or false, Trey? Uh, That's a false for me, dog. But I think it's more about the rest of the Eastern Conference than it is necessarily about the Pacers. I think Indiana's actually a great job. I think Rick Carlisle's going to be a nice fit there. They've got a huge chance at a massive turnaround from a win standpoint. Basically, if every one of their starters doesn't miss at least 10 games, Rick Carlisle's going to be looking good here. They'll probably have a pretty similar team to last year. The offense will likely be a little bit better than the defense, but Rick Carlisle teams tend to overachieve is what I think is, but top four is going to be tough. Milwaukee and Brooklyn, you would think, will take a couple of those spots. Don't really know what's going to happen with Philly, but they'll probably still have Joel Embiid, which keeps them in the mix for the top four. And then the fight for fourth is likely between a few different teams, the Hawks after the way the playoffs have gone, are probably going to be the favorite for the fourth seed, maybe even knocking on three, depending on what happens with Philly. Will the Knicks have the same success they had this year, not catching teams off guard? I think it's quite likely they're still going to be good. A Tom Thibodeau team stays engaged defensively for at least a couple of seasons. And who knows if we'll see bounce back seasons uh, for the Celtics or for the Heat. So for me, it'd be a great season uh, for the Pacers to get to number four, but more likely they're probably in that five through eight range. Yeah, it's probably fair. Lee, do you uh, do you agree with that? True or false? Are they going to be a top four seed? Oh, I mean, they've probably got the talent and the and the continuity there of a team that you know is going to be pretty tough both ends of the floor each night. But uh, do they have that sort of superstar talent? I mean, uh, their best player is of course the bonus, and then after that they've got good you know contributing players. Um, but is you know is Miles Turner going to be there long term? You know, perhaps uh, there is some moves to be made there because I don't really see the Pacers as a legit. Uh, contender right now, but I do th- see them as a playoff team and, and a, you know, like a tough out. But So I think there's still some moves to be made there. But, uh, you know, if things go right and they don't have uh, to deal with the injuries they had this year, they, they could probably sneak in. I think, uh, yeah, I think the top two or three teams are, are still going to be Brooklyn and, uh, and, and Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Um, but so there is a chance it could come for them, but uh, I sort of don't really see them as a, as a, as a legit threat to that top echelon of teams in the Eastern Conference as they're constructed right now. Here's another question off of this, Tess. Do you think they'll give Rick Carlisle a chance to see if they can make Sabonis and Turner sort of work as two bigs together, or will they make a decision here in the offseason and possibly try and still move one of them? What, what, what would you do, I guess? 
Well, I think uh, Rick will definitely get the chance anyways. Uh, there's just there's a lot of talent there. I, I, you know, watching them, it feels like they got to split it up. Um, but uh, Rick probably knows what he's already going to do. He's already dictating things. He's dictating who should take over for him in Dallas. I think he knows what roster he's going into next year with. I think, I think he's probably already had the discussions with, yeah, we'll, we'll try and make this work. Or on the other side, um, split him up. But he's already made his decision, I think. I think he's that calculated. He knows what's going on. Again, he was there in Indiana, for, for those that are maybe a little younger, from 03 to 07, and he made the postseasons a ton of times. And they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in 04 under Rick Carlisle. And, yeah, this is a good squad, even if they're all there still. If you don't break up Turner and Sabonis, they're there. Malcolm Brogdon, of course, is great. TJ Warren was amazing in the bubble and then got injured. Karis LeVert is a good player. I would actually really love to see him, you know, with a full training camp with the squad and healthy. It's a good team, but I hear you, Trey, when you go through them. You even could, you could throw the Raptors back in Toronto. I guess who knows with them. How good are they going to be if they're back in their own barn and what they do? So there's a lot of competition in the East. Top four may be a little tough, but they'll be very upset if they're not a playoff team, if everybody's healthy uh, and he's the head coach, who appears to be an upgrade over Nate Bjorkren, who uh, rubbed people a lot a long way. Let's get to a report here for our next one. Tim McMahon and Woj. Jason Kidd, strong frontrunner to be hired as the Mavericks head coach. True or false task, Kid would be a bad coaching hire here in Dallas. What, what do you think? I think it would be the wrong move. Um, I, I think uh, yeah, Jason Kidd, uh, maybe he's learned from his two stops with uh, Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn before that. But at the same time, we just watched what happened with, with the Mavs front office. It just imploded. Uh, there's some serious issues there. And Jason Kidd had problems with the two front offices that he worked with. And so yeah, maybe he does learn from those two instances. Uh, but why would you bring another match uh, to the fire? It's a little bit of gasoline, you know, throwing on that situation. And, and I don't really like um, now the rumors are that uh, Jason Kidd is going to bring back the oldies. He's going to bring back Jason Terry and J.J. Barea, guys that he won a championship with in Dallas. <laughs> You're just going to bring back the, the 2011 championship team to coach the team? I, 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 that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Why not get the best guys, uh, the, smartest, the smartest minds, and, and, and you know, piece it together that way? I think, I think it's just kind of forcing it. Now, Luka Doncic might like Jason Kidd, so I, I think there is a positive there. Luka Doncic played in Europe where uh, the, the guys at the helm are all sort of storied uh, coaches. They, they have a history. So I think, yeah, I think he may have a kinship with Jason Kidd, but then I'm kind of thrown off by the fact that Rick Carlisle left the job. Never seen this before. Rick Carlisle just left the job as Dallas Mavericks head coach and said, you know what, they should hire Jason Kidd like, publicly. He said, to hire that guy. Uh, that's just... Super strange to me. Is that a? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I don't get what's going on there. I, I it just seems like again, we just we just read Tim Cato's article in the Athletic uh, along with Sam Amick about how uh, everything was just not going right from front office down to the head coaching position. How the relationships were great to throw Jason Kidd into that mix doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. You know, a plus this is a franchise that had to undergo a seven-month investigation a couple of years back for the, the alleged sexual assault and harassment that was going on in their front office. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I think, I think you go with guys that have a clean track record, everything, uh, everything done by the book, 
And uh, Jason Kidd, although he may have learned, you know, he, he hasn't shown that in his two stops. So I would I would change it up. Yeah, there's a lot of other reports of like who they'd be bringing in in the front office. Lee, uh, I believe it's uh, Nico Harrison, uh, a Nike sort of exec there, could be in a GM role, uh, possibly with Mike Finley there. I don't know if it's that's how that's going to break down in terms of like who's in the hierarchy and all that. But what, what do you make of all this? Let's just focus on the kid part. Um, is Jason Kidd even a good coach? <laughs> Have you been convinced he's a good coach and deserves no, I haven't another been convinced. shot? Yeah. Uh, no, but he started off, he was okay in his first season in Milwaukee, but then uh, defensively they weren't very good in his final, uh, I guess, two and a half seasons after that. Uh, he didn't do all that well in Brooklyn either. Um, and he just has a reputation of leaving, you know, a bad taste in the mouth of the teams that he leaves. You know, um, he basically tried to usurp Billy King in Brooklyn, uh, he, he was like, I want more power than the GM, which doesn't really go too well with, uh, with ownership and, and with the front office, of course. As a player in New Jersey, he tried to get Byron Scott fired. You know, and, and Mark Cuban sort of has experience with um, uh, Jason Kidd as well because, remember, Jason Kidd apparently had verbally agreed to re-sign with the Mavericks and then he went and joined the Knicks. And, uh, and Mark Cuban wasn't happy with that. So Said there certainly- was no chance he would retire his jersey for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, when so Jason Mark, Kidd left for the Knicks. Yeah, Mark Cuban, you know, he knows sort of what Jason Kidd, uh, you know, his integrity is like in that sense. But also, you know, Mark Cuban, you know, they lost the longtime GM, um, uh, Donnie, well, Donnie Nelson there after 24 years, and then the, the coach has gone as well. And he said he hired a firm to try to go out there and get the GM first, and then the, and the GM would sort of choose the coach. And here we are a week later, and it feels like, and again, I don't know the exact uh, details of it, but it feels like Mark Cuban's just sort of saying, okay, no, we're going with him. And then we're going with the GM and everyone's just going to come together. And it feels as though Mike Finley has actually sort of been moved out of the way a little bit there. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's a very chaotic uh, mess, it feels like, in Dallas, which is at the wrong time when you've got, you know, your star player, Luka Doncic, who has said he's going to sign that extension, which is great. But uh, it feels a little bit messy there. So uh, I'm not sure this is going to end all that well. But maybe that is the right situation for Jason Kidd as a coach because I don't think his other two stops as a coach uh, were all that effective. Yeah, and it felt like, I don't know, a couple of days ago, it looked like Jamal Mosley, an assistant coach with the Mavs, was yeah. going to be upgraded to the to the head coaching position. Uh, Trey, what do you make of this? Uh, do you like Kidd uh, potentially being the next head coach of the Mavericks? Well, I think these guys nailed it. He hasn't had enough on-court success to really make up for the off-court drama that he's had since coming into the league as a player, through his time as a player, through his time as a coach. But uh, I don't know. It just feels like the Mavs are undergoing some chaos right now. So Mark Cuban's going for a nostalgia play here, bringing in Dirk Nowitzki to help as an advisor, bringing in Jason Kidd as the coach. It really kind of shows you that there must be a little bit of a change or even a doubling down in the way that the Mavs are going to go about building their team because obviously they had Bob Volgaris there. They were trying some analytics stuff. They got Luka. They built a team around him, and it's not exactly the team he wanted, not exactly the team the Mavs wanted, but now they're bringing in an ex-player in Jason Kidd who obviously has relationships with still some stars around the league. You know, Jason Kidd hung around the Olympic team for a long, long time, so he knows a lot of great players. They're also bringing in Luka Doncic's ex-Nike exec, Another guy, uh, Nico Harrison, who has several connections all around the league. So to me, it just looks like the Mavericks are doing everything they possibly can to try and lure free agents to Dallas, which has kind of been the plan for the Mavericks for 15 years. 
and they don't sign a lot of free agents. Right. I don't know right. if this is actually going to help, but maybe uh, Nike Nico knowing people, maybe that helps. Maybe Jason Kidd's time playing with Team USA, being an assistant there on the Lakers, maybe that helps. These sort of recruiting things, it, uh, I don't know. It feels like... Um, Feels like the Mavs are trying to say, hey, hey, forget about all the weird stuff that happened this summer. Remember 2011? That championship was awesome. <laughs> also, we got Luka Doncic, and maybe we'll get some more guys now. So don't pay attention to the past two weeks. Pay attention to 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe. That's so ironic. I saw the stream team pointing it out. I've seen Mavericks bloggers pointing it out, too, that uh, the 2011 championship team, they don't bring back the next year to try and repeat. But, yeah. hey, let's bring yeah. them back all together a decade later and uh, see if we can do it. If it is, like, yeah, Terry's involved and, and uh, obviously Kid and all that stuff. Well, the final one here. Let's pretend Kid is the Mavericks' next head coach. Udoka going with the Celtics. Rick Carlisle back with the Pacers. I believe that would leave four open spots, Lily. You got the Pelicans, the Magic, the Blazers, and the Wizards. The true or false question of those four, is the Blazers one the most desirable that remain? Well, last week when I did the rankings, I had the uh, Pelicans ahead of them because I believe that you've got Zion Williamson locked up for at least three more seasons and they've got so much more draft uh, potential in these next couple of years. So I still think that one is the more attractive position because I do think there is still a lot of uncertainty going forward with the Blazers as far as uh, the Lillard McCollum backcourt. Now, if Lillard and McCollum play, I think you can sort of sleepwalk your way to 45 wins next season. So that would be a, a comfortable position to take yourself into. But I just think from, uh, you know, I'm speculating that those that won't be the case when you go to Portland. So you may be facing, if you have a team with Damian Lillard on it still, then that's great. But if he's not there, and look, he probably he probably will be there, but I don't think McCollum will be then if that's the case, then it's a, it's a nice uh, position to go to. But you also kind of know the ceiling with that team. Right now, the intrigue of that uh, Pelicans uh, team and their potential ceiling appeals a little bit more to me, again, because you've got your, your franchise star guaranteed to be there for at least three seasons. And if David Griffin can, uh, can, can land some, uh, you know, a big name in the draft or through free agency, then I think that one's still a little bit more appealing right now. But uh, look, a, little, a Damien Lillard on your team, you're going to take that in a heartbeat. It's just I'm not sure he's going to be there or the Blazers are going to look like they do right now. True or false, Trey, what do you think? Blazers is the most desirable of these four? I think the Blazers is who I would want to coach next season because Damian Lillard will probably be the best player on any of these four teams next season. But for the future, I'm with Lee. Uh, Zion would be the the single player I would want to coach out of any of these teams. And he's going to be there in New Orleans for at least another five seasons of his early prime, at least. And who knows how well uh, the Pelicans play during those five seasons. If he wants to stick around there, we shall see. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think New Orleans, just because you know that Zion's going to be there. I mean, they have a lot of questions as well, right? Like, is Brandon Ingram going to be a part of that team? Who knows? What are they going to do with Steven Adams? Who knows? What's up with Eric Bledsoe? Who knows? Just as many questions for New mm-hmm. Orleans as Portland. But they're also earlier on the team building process where the pressure to succeed isn't quite as high, though, as we just saw with Luca and Rick there in Dallas. When you've got a superstar... Things move a lot more quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The expectations are sky high. Tass, what do you think? Yeah, these guys banged at home. Where do I want to live? Portland or New Orleans? Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They both have their pros and cons. A lot of pros, a lot of cons. Great debate. Uh, I'm going down <laughs> the bayou, I think. Okay. Um, I get to be with Zion. 
get to get super fat with uh, the great restaurants that they have going on down there. Uh, give me some of those donuts from Cafe Dumont. Yeah, give me, give me, uh, give me Nolens. Okay. Yeah. Um, nobody making a case for poor Washington, or Orlando. Man, they might. You take that Orlando job, you're gonna have that job for three, four years, guaranteed. <laughs> you Probably know, you true. Might make the playoffs once. Uh, you might get a lot of golfing. I don't think it's all that bad. Uh, let's hear from the stream team though. If indeed. Kid signs with the Mavs of those four remaining ones. Which one would you most want to uh, to be the head coach for? All right, let's get to I, tweet of. Oh, ah, I like. I just want to say I like what the Wizards are thinking. They're thinking Nick Nurse. They're thinking that type of angle by looking at Scott Morrison, who's a a G. Uh, sorry, a G League vet. Like he's mm-hmm. been around. That's. I think that's what the Mavs should do. But maybe Luca doesn't want that. Maybe right. Luca absolutely wants a guy. Uh, who's won and, and and done it before? So I think I think these teams are going in the right direction. I wonder if Zion Williamson is going to have a hand in who who because uh, who coaches him because he's had seemingly had a hand with you know Stan Van being a fall guy. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if I wonder what he wants. What does right. Zion want? Can't we'll wait. see. Let's get to tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. Tweet of the night is a snippet from a big GQ feature piece on Scotty Pippen by Tyler Times. <laughs> All right. Scotty. He talks. He talks. He talks. He talks. He talks about his new <laughs> bourbon that he's come out with. Great photo of him staring into the glass, staring into the liquid. I envy people who can tell something by looking into a liquid of, a, of, of any sort of alcohol. If, if you can, that's amazing. Uh, his new book coming out next year, which, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, a lot of bulls talk, obviously, uh, a lot about his history growing up in poverty and all that. Uh, and he had some comments on today's basketball players. Here are his comments about Ben Simmons. Thanks to Brian Toporek for tweeting it. I watched a lot of guys that Doc Rivers shouldn't have had, or I'm sorry, I watched a lot of games that Doc shouldn't have had him in, in the fourth quarter. If I give you a deck of cards, and I give you a deuce of hearts, and a deuce of diamonds, and we play in spades, why you keep grabbing those cards when you know you're going to lose in that category? This kid has been this way the whole time, and Doc brought him in and set him up for failure. He been like this! And you guys know he'd been like this. And Doc kept putting him in the game. He kept letting that team do fouls on him. Take him out the game. The Lakers did it with Shaq, and he's bigger and more dominant and probably more fearless than Ben Simmons. Doc made him be a failure. He's still a good basketball player. That's his weakness, shooting the ball. If you take that away from Ben Simmons, he got no weakness. That's Giannis's weakness too. But Giannis, he don't mind being humiliated. That's the difference between him and Ben Simmons. Giannis will go to the free throw line and shoot two air balls and come right down the court the next time and try and dunk on you if ben simmons misses a free throw he's going to start passing it before he gets to the free throw line on the other end he didn't even want to cross half court with the basketball because he was so afraid of being humiliated going to the foul line that's why he didn't try to make that dunk at the end of the game he's been doing that all year bro wow quote quote from scotty a good GQ piece. Very good GQ <laughs> oh, he's piece. Got a lot of things to say, man. Yeah. He, look, he looks cool, too. Uh, I saw somebody say, why, why did Scottie Pippen and Tim Duncan wait until after their careers to have the most badass hair in, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the game, man? It would have helped their cred, I think. They would have more popularity if they were in the league with that look. But 
Yeah. What, what, did you read the, the piece, TK? Your, your, of course your I did. Yeah, what did you think? <laughs> Scotty Pippen talks. I love Scotty Pippen talks this episode of it because Scotty Pippen will say one thing and then say the exact opposite thing the next time he's <laughs> yeah. asked. And this one was extra spicy. I love him giving Giannis credit for shooting air balls because he doesn't mind shooting air balls. And I kind of think it's right. Like Giannis airball 58 free throws in a row, but he will still try and at least get a shot up and try and dunk the ball. I mean, you know, at some points with Giannis, it's like, hey, man, maybe you should be embarrassed with these three-pointers and just go try and dunk it again. But he was right about that, though I don't necessarily uh, agree with his thoughts on Kevin Durant, especially. Mm. Yeah, Mm -mm. the, the, the Kevin Durant part of it was Kevin Durant needs to get his teammates involved, basically. He needs to pass to people uh, instead of just shooting every time. You see, LeBron would never do that. He's really just going, getting everybody involved here. Yeah, yeah, just dropping a lot of names. That gets a lot of attention, doesn't it, Lee? Gets the headlines. I thought the tweet was going to be the Kevin Durant retort saying, Mm -hmm. uh, didn't the great Scottie Pippen refuse to come into a game once because... uh, the coach was all in his feelings because he wouldn't let him take a, the last shot. That was a fantastic retort there from that was uh, good. from Kevin Durant. So, uh, yeah, Scotty, uh, you know, he sort of, look, his early career, you can sort of see a similar Ben Simmons type of game. He wasn't a great shooter of the ball, but he was a great defender, and he sort of had that, he was a, a unique sort of person, uh, a position that he played there. So maybe... Maybe he's seeing some of himself a little bit there in Ben Simmons. But, of course, Scotty certainly improved, worked hard, and became a, a reliable shooter and scorer and from the free throw line there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the was... difference maybe on the court, yeah, early in his career, but, like, mentality-wise, Scotty Pippen's basically saying, I'm the exact opposite of you. I came from nothing. Yeah. You know, I worked my ass off. You were a number one pick. You're entitled you don't work on your game. This is, you know, this is what I'm thinking here. But I, I hear you. And he's and right. Defensively, that. they're both yeah. incredible players. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's right in that point that Ben Simmons, you know, the evidence we have suggests he doesn't work hard on yeah. his game. He doesn't work hard on shooting the ball. And and Scotty, you know, he he had to because I think Michael Jordan was like, you need to be better at this, and and he certainly became much better at it. So, um, but yeah, the the KD stuff was interesting because I wonder if Scotty, you know, Scotty, I think on his own, on his own. Twitter profile used to have, you know, some say the greatest small forward to ever play the game. Does he feel... Uh, Is that what it actually said? It, some it used say? to. Some it, say. It, it used to. I, I haven't checked. I haven't checked. Or his Instagram, one of those. But was that for a while? That's amazing. Um, you know, because Kevin Durant, obviously a, a much more gifted scorer and shooter of the ball uh, than Scotty was. But Scotty defensively, that would be actually a really good matchup to see Scotty prime defense on, uh, awesome. on Kevin Durant. That would be a fantastic uh, battle there. So maybe but Kevin that's Durant it. is going to end higher on a majority of people's list than Scotty Pippen. Oh, I think, I don't think <laughs> if not anyone, already, anyone already, would have yes. uh, Scotty yeah. overall as a better player than uh, yeah. Kevin Durant with what we've already seen from Kevin. So, uh, you know, defensively, you think Scotty's better, but uh, yeah. no question, offensively, Kevin's uh, much better. I think the other thing Scotty is trying to uh, teach Ben Simmons uh, that, that would help him out is just play spades, man. Maybe you'll figure it out. <laughs> right, Maybe right. you'll figure it out. You, you use the cards you got and you can't win. If you don't have a jumper, oh, I'm playing spades. Oh, all right. I'll learn how to shoot. Boom. Go check out that uh, GQ article there. Uh, first, just for the photos, because there's some incredible photos of Scotty Pippen, like Tass said, looking at his bourbon. And uh, and then the article itself is great. If you, if you enjoy 
this edition of Crazy Things, Scotty Pippen says. Uh, I can't wait for his book now. I'll yeah. tell you what, if some bourbon spawn con is this spicy, imagine what 300 pages of Scotty Pippen saying he was the real leader of the 1990 Chicago yeah. Bulls is going to be like. Can't wait. Yep, that's coming for sure. All right, let's take one more break, but then we'll uh, wrap up this drop podcast with a little rapid fire fun. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, back with No Dunks. Let's wrap up this drop podcast. A busy week here in the No Dunks Classic Factory with a little rapid fire fun. Lily, you got the questions this week. On Thursday, Magic Johnson arrived in Greece for a vacation and immediately posted a photo of himself working <laughs> yes. out on a mega yacht. Yes. He was really pumping Pump away magic. there. What would be the first pic you would post of yourself doing on vacation, JD? Yeah, well, I actually booked a vacation coming up here in uh, the end of July, and I'm going to a cottage, and I think I'm going to recreate this (laughs) exact video. Um, I'm not going to be on a super yacht. I will probably be on a rusty, dented old rowboat that I think is at the cottage there, and I'm Almost positive there's no dumbbells there, so uh, <laughs> yeah, probably curl in some, I don't know, uh, cans of Sleeman's cream ale or something <laughs> like that. Uh, wind blowing. Uh, working on my balance because that uh, that rowboat's going to be a wobbling. <laughs> please, please, yeah. please take that video. Oh, that's uh, guaranteed. guaranteed. Okay. And you're going guaranteed. to uh, cottage country in Canada. Well, that's the plan. That's oh, the plan. Okay. It's it's looking pretty good. The border not open yet, but uh, vaccinated Canadians apparently can jump through a few fiery hoops and and get through there. So okay, that's the plan. Nice. Tuss. Well, like JD, I too am going on vacation in late July. <laughs> Look at these guys. Uh, uh, I will be in the Caribbean, classic Caribbean nice. vacation. 
And the photo I'll take, well, I'm not going to post one because I'm not going to have my phone with me. <laughs> yeah, right. Who am I kidding? Um, I, uh, I'll probably post a photo of me reading a book. Look, this is me reading a book because I don't usually read a book, but I don't usually read a book anyway. This so relaxing. this is me reading a book. Here it is. That's it. Okay. Try. Oh, a cannonball for sure. If you mm. can swim, I'm yeah. jumping in. I once posted a cannonball video doing a cannonball into the ocean. Not recommended. Still pretty shallow there. <laughs> at the zero entry at the beach, but you know, it's worth it for the IG Instagram uh, engagement. Mm, true. Okay, uh, during the draft lottery this week, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who had been tanking all season, had a chance to land two top five picks in this year's draft, but missed out on both. And the earliest they will pick is number six. When is the time you tried to stack the deck in your favor only for it to backfire, JD? Yeah, well, so uh, I've mentioned on the, fo- uh, uh, on the show before that I worked at a discotheque in Greece uh, back in the early 90s. And uh, we worked seven days a week and we would work all night in the club and then we'd have to go back in the morning to clean it up. Uh, and it was uh, seven days a week we did this for <laughs> like six months. It was pretty, in- pretty intense. So a lot of horsing around would happen. But every once in a while, our boss, who obviously was Greek, would come in and see whatever shenanigans we were getting up to. And he would, the punishment was always, you need to clean big time. So big time, if he said big time, that meant top to bottom, this place better be sparkling by tonight sort of thing. So he caught us doing whatever we were doing, and then he said, well, we're going to clean big time. And if, <laughs> if, 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 if he came back and inspected it and it wasn't up to snuff, then we would have to do the whole thing over again. Oh it, was, uh, it, it was bad. So w- in order to, for, him to pa- for us to pass inspection, what dumb 20-year-old me uh, compl- uh, mopped the entire disco with bleach, like a pretty heavy concentration of bleach. Now, if you have, if you ever, if you've ever done bleach. anything like that before, bleach is extremely slippery, right? Mm. So, and it didn't quite dry off by the night. So, the place was sparkling, but people coming into the nightclub slipping and sliding all over the place like to the point where like frat boys were taking off their shoes and just taking a run and sliding flying across it was like ice and you know under normal circumstances that it should have been closed down like yeah. the place should have been closed down but they kept it open thought for the whole night it was a slip sliding wild fun and the next day I was cleaning that disco <laughs> big time. Big time. Big time. Yep. Hey, man, you cleaned it, though. You you cleaned it bleach time. That's right. Uh, well, this morning, uh, I stacked my cereal bowl in my favor. It was a beautiful stack. Multiple cereals. Base. A nice kashi go. Heavy on the protein. Ready to go for my workout. Then a thin layer of Honey Nut Cheerios. And just topped with a few flakes of, uh, of uh, some cinnamon squares. Mom's best cereal, whatever the heck it's He's called. He's dropping I don't know. cinnamon squares like the salt bay on it. Uh, wow. So I stacked it perfectly, but then uh, my kids got their fingers into it. They, they just need to eat whatever I'm eating. So uh, it, was, it was just a terrible experience. My one-year-old was digging her fingers in there, and I was trying to hide it from her after she got her fingers in there, but then she just ruined it. Yeah, I don't want fingers in my cereal. It's like, just toss this bowl of cereal away. It's like... 
hiding it literally after a couple dips in there with her dirty, grummy fingers. And then she just, I, I hit it and she's like, no, Mo, 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 give me some Mo, give me that Mo. So that's it. Wasted, wasted a nice bowl of cereal. <laughs> All that kids, work. man, kids. Who would have them? Uh, Trey. <laughs> oh, every time I go fishing, I try and stack the deck by bringing so many lures. Last night I spent $100 on lures. Got a cycle bait, a rattle bot, couple exo swims, couple crank baits, couple chatter baits, Ned Rig supplies, Yodo worm, and you guessed it. A poppin' frog. Guaranteed to lose them all. Last time I went fishing, I had a brand new lure tied it on. I thought, that knot does not look good enough. (laughs) Ah, whatever. I'm sure it'll be fine. First chuck. (laughs) God. (laughs) See you, buddy. Did you buy the one uh, that I I wanted you to buy? You you came to me and said, which of these colors should I go with? Did you go with the neon one? Uh... Got two of them. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed to lose one because nice. I lost one the first time I had it. So I had to replace that one. But then I saw that beautiful chartreuse and silver one skis and I could not pass it up. It's amazing. The Tokyo Olympics, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics will start four weeks from today. 12 months late, but they're four weeks away from starting. It's always great, though. We all love the Olympics. So uh, what weird Olympic sport is your favorite and what we'll be tuning in for, JD? Yeah, I I like a lot of the events actually. My favorite thing to watch, which is weird, is the triathlon mm. because it's you know three events in one, and it's long. And it I guess it's kind of boring to watch, like just people yeah. swimming in the ocean or in a lake for a dis a long distance is it is bo- kind of boring and it's very hard to shoot. Uh, but what I love about the triathlon is the transitions, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. I love seeing those athletes come out of the water and then, you know, struggle and put on their shoes and then get on the bike and go, right? And then I'll have a nap and then I'll wait for, <laughs> you know, the bike portion to end. And then they get off the bike and trash the bike and then they just start running. I, I don't know what it is about it, but I just love it. It's like super, super awkward and it seems like you could get injured very, very easily, and people around them could get yeah, injured yeah. very easily. But uh, I just love watching. I know it's, I it's it it's transfixes me mm. or something. I don't know. It's like Except the pit when you're stop napping for humans. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. That's a yeah. great way, to especially put when it, they so. come out of the water to get on the bike. That is yeah. the number one one where things can go terribly wrong too. Yeah, that's a good one. And they're literally putting on shoes biking shoes that are sort of running in them towards their bikes it's crazy yeah Uh, for for me yeah i too love all the olympics actually i hope this doesn't coincide with my vacation because i'm going to be spending all my time indoors watching the olympics (laughs) that's going to be my photo here i am on vacation watching the triathlon um i yeah i watch it all but uh you know i kind of like those sports like diving or weightlifting that they don't show live and then they just cut them all together so right. it's it's just like weightlifting it's just men or women seeing if they can clean and jerk 500 pounds <laughs> next person <laughs> <laughs> next person uh, ho- hopefully their knees don't explode onto the camera yeah. Yeah. next person yeah i love those ones where they they're not good enough to show live because nobody wants to wait and see you know, yeah. this, this woman just chalk up her hands again. That's exciting. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you get, them, you get them flying, sure. 
I'm waiting. I'm, it's kind of like car car racing. You're kind of waiting for it to drop. You know, kind of waiting for a disaster in, in a way. But you're you're hoping. You're hoping that clean and jerk goes well. <laughs> Try. <it. laughs> a lot of great weird events. Uh, I love the trampoline personally. Um, you know. I don't know, it's just like meditative to me because it takes a while for them to go from leap, mm. doing all their moves, and then finally the fall. It's a little bit like, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's sort of like curling to me and that you have the first motion of it, you know, the push off or the jump. And then it takes a while for the actual turn to finally happen and yep. see exactly how they land it. Um, did a, did some research this morning. I see that um, Hancheru from Belarus, uh, you know, he oh, shocked yeah. the trampoline world by beating out the two Chinese trampolinists in 2016. Hancheru currently ranked number one again, so I'm thinking he's the favorite. The USA's best chance, though, is Jeffrey Gluckstein, <laughs> ranked number 30. Jeff Gluckstein. Wow, yeah, you know, the US isn't a, a trampolining powerhouse, I suppose, no. but there's been some great answers here in the stream team uh, for great different events that you don't often see. Diggo mentions that skateboarding is going to be in the mm, Olympics this yeah. year. Definitely wow. going to be cool. And I love this answer from Ziggy because I wish I would have thought of it. The speed walking, fast Hilarious. walking competition <laughs> is the yeah. funniest. Yeah. Like, how do you move your hips like that? Yeah. You know, like so, so wiggly back it's and like forth. It's it. like, it wrecks their bodies too. Yeah. That's the crazy yeah. part. I mean, it does look silly and like no yeah. one really cares, but like, they like because they do crazy long distances too yeah. at, at, yeah, at yeah. pretty fast speeds. Though you're walking, I, it's such a weird event too. Like you, you get penalized like because you're like, oh, you were running. Yeah. Like you, it's like so yeah, one foot has to be on the ground totally. at all times. So yeah. weird. What a Is it weird still event. a thing though? I mean, I think yeah. it's still. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's more yeah. more popular than ever. I think. Really? <laughs> I love walking. Yeah, yeah that's it's a strange a one. Race walking. As in three on three is. Uh, Olympic sport for the first I year think so, this yeah. year, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Pretty That's sure. cool. That's cool. I love. Cool. There's a, almost all of them. Are, like, if it's on, like you said, yes, yeah. and they edit it the right way, you're like, all right, I'll watch this. Totally. Yeah. For and like, sure. you get like, I suddenly become like the biggest volleyball fan anytime the Olympics comes around. I, I never watch it otherwise, but like, both indoor volleyball and beach volleyball, I love watching on TV. All the swim stuff, like you said, the diving. It's like I never watch oh, a single awesome. second yeah. of yeah. it during the four years in between or five years at this point. Um, but yeah, then I'm in, um, you know, I'm all in. So can, I, can, can I ask, uh, how do you judge trampolining? Like, is it just the, the, the art it's like, form? It's like gymnastics, it's, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, or diving as well. You've got to yeah. do certain amount of somersaults and twists and things like that. I saw that in Athens. I could not believe how high they, you know, bounce and fling themselves up. And it's yeah. like, how you're able to stay composed enough to then go into this and then come and land back down on the uh, trampoline is scary as hell because you're like oh, yeah. you're like how anyway if you go and jump on a trampoline just with a kid you're sort of like whoa you know like that <laughs> so you go on one of these <laughs> massive ones and it's like boing oh man well Lee incredible. have you ever done the old uh, I don't know we call it the egg on a trampoline oh, where you get nice. you get one of your buddies full blown just like curl up into a ball small as you can be and then you get everybody jumping yeah. on the trampoline at the same time and man you can get well scared. yeah i was yeah. i mean i was That's definitely a scary one, man. Man, like 20 feet yeah, yeah. it's scary yeah, but when we were kids as well they didn't have the sort of support around the trampolines oh, no, we, no, we no. just had those no, like we flew yeah. off yeah. yeah those uh the rectangle ones that you could like the the string the springs would get into your skin and hair oh, and yeah, stuff yeah, and tear yeah. you apart yeah. there'd be a million degrees in the summer yeah. kids would be flying off left and right and the parents 
you kids just take it easy out there you know it's like oh. this is so dangerous so interesting dangerous. people in the stream team what i just said i called it the egg maybe it's because i'm the egg man you know uh, people, call it, <laughs> people called that popcorn that's actually really good that yeah. makes more sense even uh some people calling it slingshot um yeah, we so called we, it you know. cracking the egg okay, as well, okay. and then we had a an alternate version where you would lay flat on your back or flat on your stomach, flipping the bacon. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, think about how dangerous this is. You got one person who's either sitting or just laying on the trampoline, and then what? As many 16-year-olds as you can find, jumping as close as possible oh, to this person to try and flip dangerous. them on their head. Great stuff. Yeah, I remember at a party once, this is another uh, trampoline party story that I have, that uh, it was like in the it was like in the countryside, like it was, it was like a rural party, so there was obviously a ton of space. They had a huge porch, and then they had a trampoline, and the porch was much higher than the trampoline, and it was a keg party, and the keg got finished, and to celebrate the keg, you know, being finished... <laughs> The guy took the empty keg, a big keg, still somewhat heavy, right? Like oh, yeah. it's got a lot of weight to it, even though it's yeah. empty. Had it above its head, above his head, and then jumped off the porch onto the trampoline, <laughs> not thinking what was gonna happen with gravity, and literally went boom and like basically knocked himself out. <laughs> when he jumped from the porch oh, onto the trampoline, and that thing just went boom and smoked him in the head, and he was like down. I insane. thought you were gonna say like threw it off the porch no. onto the trampoline, it went no. flying. That's he a just crazy story. Did not think here. that that's what was gonna happen. I'm not sure I would have either. I guess because you just would think, oh, it'll just stay above my head. But no, crazy. That was insane. That's saw that with my own eyes. What oh. an egghead. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Like exactly. Crushing your egg. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. Wow. All right. Well, maybe we should just do a whole podcast on trampoline stories one day. Apparently, we got a lot of them. Okay. We'll call it there. Great rapid fire. Hopefully, another great edition of the Drop Podcast. But you tell us. If you subscribe to No Dunks on Apple Podcasts, do us a solid. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We're coming up to a five-star Friday. Uh, pretty soon, mm-hmm. almost next into week. July. Yeah, next week. But next we'll, week, yeah, should yeah, be July we'll be 1st, right? I don't know. So you got time to get your uh, five-star ratings and reviews in. Subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Leave a comment below the video. Help us defeat the algorithm. And uh, make sure you smash that like button if you've enjoyed yourself here today. We will be back on Monday to break down all the games from this weekend. Go get your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. And finally, if you don't have an athletic subscription, what are you doing? Come on. Come on. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunk so they know that we sent you so you can sign up there for a really, really great deal. All right. Clipper bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, if Paul Shear can wear the free shirt that they hand out at arenas, then you can too. At least for like a half. If you want to show off your fit for the other half, that's cool. Your, your D-rip or whatever you got to do. But, you know, put it on, cool guy. Embrace the weekend, people. You could stay
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.